What's up, my podcast listeners? This is your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and today we are going to go right into it and chat about piriformis syndrome because um, a couple weeks back I had someone DM me about this particular uh, issue, and it's kind of funny, like, I get a lot of questions when it comes to pain, and, and I'm in no way, shape, or form um, kind of qualified to even give, you know, any kind of medical advice when it comes to pain, but for some reason, just trainers in general always get that, like, hey, I have numbing and tingling in this area of my body, what should I do? And we're like, I don't know, and hopefully the trainer that gets those questions are like, you should probably go see somebody. So just like every DM I get on Instagram of like, hey, this hurts, what should I do? My first initial response is, well, have you seen anyone for it? Like your doctor, physio, chiro, massage, whatever it is. And usually the answer is no, or they've kind of gone down the path of seeing all those people and haven't got better. And there's a lot of different directions I can go with this, but um, the biggest thing that I've seen is that one, people do not move as well as they think the moment that your body doesn't move the way it's designed, it's going to have to compensate in some shape or form. And then that brings us into this equation of poor movement equals compensate um, plus um, where's the words in my brain Uh, plus um, compensation in the body equals pain. And that individual that we're kind of making up on the spot that tends to reach out to me, when they actually go down the path of physio and Cairo, they get treated for the acute um, problem and it gets better. But there's nothing beyond that. And that's what's kind of the issue with kind of our medical system when it comes to any kind of physical health thing is that someone in pain with a shoulder, elbow, wrist, ankle, knee, whatever it is, the practitioner gets them out of that acute state and then they go back to whatever they're doing, which brought them to the pain, full shoulder, elbow, knee, ankle, whatever in the first place. And it becomes a cycle of like, you have pain, you go to a practitioner, you feel better, you go back to what you were doing. And then after a few months or a few weeks, you're back to seeing that practitioner again. And it goes in a circle like this over and over and over again. But then it's like, how do we get out of that? And that's where proper training, AKA what I do with clients and patients every day. Um, and primarily it goes down to a combination of kin stretch and you know what I call functional training and not your meathead. I'm going to bench press and do bicep curls every Monday. Um, and it's kind of like funny to me how many people come to me where they've seen all these practitioners. And the moment I put them through a well-designed kin stretch routine for them specifically after doing a thorough assessment within that same session, they're like, I feel better. And it's like, well, no shit. but um, I'm kind of going on a rant and tangent, Um, but I want to go over what I would do 
You know, like I'm not going to sit here and give you guys an anatomy review of what piriformis syndrome is or sciatica or things like that. Um, because I think there's so much out there on the internet of what that is and you can do a quick Google search, but for like a little cliff notes version, usually people who have piriformis syndrome, um, it was kind of utilized in the industry as a tight muscle in your glute that would compress around the sciatic nerve, giving you numbing and tingling in your ass is literally a pain in your ass. And sometimes traveling down the leg to the back of your leg to like the hamstring. And then in the worst cases, all the way down into your foot. And, uh, it's a pretty common, um, thing to see today because a lot of us are inactive and with some treatment and movement tends to fix a lot of stuff. And it's just funny to me that that's all you need to do. But if you are an individual with preformance syndrome, you need to do the work. And I think another thing that people need to understand is that just because you're going to Chiron physio, it's not going to just magically fix all of your shit because you got to that place because of your body has adapted to the stress you put onto it. And if I had someone come to me with preformis syndrome and I was like, let's go check hip mobility. And literally all I do is check hip internal and external rotation. And 99% of the time is fucking terrible. And I'm like, well, no shit. You have like pain present when you don't have a functioning hip. And I think to better understand this, I'm going to kind of showcase um, what hip internal and external rotation is and uh, why it's important. So let's do our little screen share. Uh, I feel like I should be better at this now. <laughs> okay. Also, this is a good time to tell you guys that if you're not on my YouTube channel and subscribed, you're missing out. Um, let's go hip internal. There's one specific video we're going to go cover. So this is just a representation of active um, external and internal rotation. Um, so if I was manually doing this table test, that's what we call it, um, I would physically be holding the knee and the ankle to go to external, and then I would take the person's leg into internal. And so this showcases my active control also, I've said this on my podcast before, but it's kind of interesting to see these videos. And like, I think this is, might be like a year old and my hip mobility is already improved. But a lot of times when I passively, meaning I move them into that position, um, they don't have a lot. And then on top of that, when I ask them to do it actively, like I did in this video, it's even worse. So when you think about a full functioning hip, the priority for me is to have rotation. 
it's a joint that moves so much. It's designed to move so much. So imagine a hip that can't rotate like it should. And you're asking it to do things that require rotation. There's going to be a lot of compensation. And then now think about every time you ask your hip to do a lunge, do a squat or anything that's fitness related, there's going to be a compensation pattern. And I kind of make the analogy. It's like, you're not going to get injured or have pain right there. And then it's going to be an accumulation. It's like the one piece of straw that you put onto the camel's back that actually breaks the camel's back. And it takes time to get there. And then that's where people will be like, yeah, I'm getting like pain into my, you know, side of my hip deep into my glute. And like, sometimes I get that nervy stuff going down my leg and it's like, well, yeah, your hip isn't a hip, you know? And I think that's what I've been trying to kind of communicate over my social media posts. And when I talk to people in person, is like a lot of the stuff that's the issue for you is because you don't have a hip, don't have a shoulder, you don't have X, Y, and Z. And that should be the priority. Like, I don't understand why people just jump into things uh, without knowing, you know, anything. (laughs) But um, when I kind of see this, if I had someone come to me with preformed syndrome, I would be like, one, go seek out treatment because we need to get you out of that flared up stage. Then we can layer exercise on top of it to prevent it. Because we're going to go back into that circle of like treatment, you feel better, you go back to what you used to do after a few time, few weeks, months, you're back to pain, and then you go back into that circle. So in order for you not to go back in that circle and go back into the gym to actually see your progress, we need to change the anatomy that you have. We need to make it function better. So the big thing with preformis syndrome, one thing you need to understand is nerves hate being compressed. Like your sciatic nerve that's being compressed by your preformis is like literally the size of this circle. And for those who are just listening, you should probably watch this episode. Um, So for like my Canadians out there, it's like the size of a, like a loony. So it's a pretty big nerve and nerves hate being compressed. They hate being stretched. So with the preformis, when it's compressing against it, the nerve is like, fuck this shit. I'm going to send pain signals. So a lot of times when people feel preformis syndrome, they feel tight and they naturally want to stretch that area. And that sometimes makes it worse. So the best way to do it is attacking the hip um, not stretching out the, um, preformis too much because then you can actually make things worse. So, you know, one thing that a lot of people will do is get into like a 90, 90 position. Um, move this down here, which sometimes isn't the best strategy 
So an example of this. Actually, we can just use this. Because at least it's a long video. So my typical like go-to for a lot of people for hip mobility is this 90-90 to get more external rotation. So in this position, I have my leg into external rotation. The only thing is that it's also stretching on the stuff that's influencing that sciatic nerve that's probably not going to feel the greatest. So in order to kind of attack this in a smart way, I would probably look at internal rotation. And, you know, I probably said this on my podcast a few times when it comes to hip health and hip longevity, internal rotation is kind of the number one priority. And I would say a lot of people have terrible internal rotation. Like I had a couple high level CrossFitters I would come in and they're like, yeah, when I squat heavy, my little back hurts. And I'm like, okay, well, let's see what we got on the table. And their internal rotation was maybe a degree. And I'm like, and you're squatting with a barbell on your back. There's not a lot of room. So internal rotation kind of gives you um, capsular space. And uh, when I have more space in my capsule, more freely can my you know hip move. And um, when it comes to preformance syndrome, if I have more room in my hip, then the stuff surrounding that sciatic nerve that's tight is probably also going to loosen up. So you almost have to like indirectly influence um, the stuff that you're trying to attack. Um, so a better way of doing this um, is you can still go into a hip 90-90, but we're going to go into um, internal rotation. So let's... Go to this guy, even though this is a tutorial. Um, come on, ads. Um, so you'd still go into that 90-90, but instead of going into this front leg here, like I'm trying to explain, we're gonna look at this back leg. Now, sometimes, even in this 90-90, I've had this happen where it might not be a good position for you because it might even cause um, numbing and tingling down into the foot, but that's a whole other thing. But um, here, we're attacking the back hip into internal rotation. So with this one, this shouldn't be stretching the external rotators which is one of your, uh, like the preformers is one of them. So at least this way, we're actually attacking um, hip mobility to give you more space. So in my head is like, I would work hip internal rotation as much as possible and do that for a few weeks and then revisit the 90-90. So a lot of this stuff too um, is detective work because I get, I, I get a lot of people coming to me like, this hurts. Like I can't figure out why I've been to this person, this person, this person, and nothing seems to work. Why do you think this is? And I'm like, honestly, I don't know. Like we know enough about musculoskeletal injuries 
at this point, but a lot of times when people present all these different symptoms, it's kind of hard to navigate. So I always kind of explain that, you know, a lot of whatever you're feeling is going to be a lot of detective work. Cause sometimes it's like, yeah, you go to physio doesn't work. You go find a different physio, different approach. Maybe that's what's going to work. Maybe that doesn't work. And you go down the path of like, okay, I'm going to go get some injections done. Maybe that like a lot of it is just like, you need to try things because everyone's body is a little bit different. Everyone's going to respond to different stresses. So a lot of times I, from an exercise point of view, when it comes to kin stretch is like, I want to see what works and what doesn't. And when we figure out the stuff that doesn't work, it makes my job so much easier. And sometimes I'll use the stuff that doesn't work as a baseline. So if I had someone with piriformis syndrome, I would almost put them in this 90-90, have them actually stretch that front leg and external rotation to see if it hurts, if they get a flare up, if they get numbing and tingling down into the leg, into the foot. Cause that gives me a lot of information that, okay, that's what happens. So now let's focus on hip internal rotation for three to four weeks and then revisit external rotation to see if we made any kind of change. And most of the time we do. And the person's like, Oh my God, like you fixed me. And it's like, well, no, we just eliminated the trigger that causes your flare up. And that literally goes into almost every single like, um, injury you can think of is like, I learned this from Dr. Stuart McGill, like figure out what your low back, um, flares up to try to eliminate those movements or those things you do work on the stuff that makes your low back stronger and then try it again. Right. So it's like, it's not rocket science. It's just like navigating where you need to go. So one with this exercise, this is just like setting up for pails and rails, which is um, a way to one um, chat with your nervous system to prevent that tightness. Cause again, when you have pain, your nervous system will shut down the area and keep it super rigid and tight. So then you can't move it to further injure it, which is great. But at the same time, when you're trying to progress and start moving again, you kind of need that to ease off. So you're doing like kind of like a contract relax in kin stretch, we call it pails and rails. So in this position, you would hold it for two minutes and then you're trying to drive that ankle down into the ground as hard as possible. And then after 10 to 15 seconds, you would try to do the opposite where you're trying to lift the ankle off the ground. Um, so then now you get an isometric contraction on both sides of the joint. Um, one that talks to the nervous system and then two, it is influencing all the tissues responsible for hip internal rotation to function a little bit better. And now we need to, um, kind of solidify that by doing, um, certain things for hip internal rotation. Um, so let's look at a couple exercises for that. Uh, Something simple like this. So we've done some exercises on the hip before where, you know, minus the block, we're just lifting, but wherever 
I end up with my ankle, I would place something like a yoga block underneath or something at that height to work in my end range. So a lot of times we are the weakest in our end range. So if I can only lift my shoulder up to here, there's a high chance that I'm probably going to injure my shoulder at this range and not like down here because I'm strong and I have full control. It's literally at those positions at the very end that I don't have full control, stability, and things like that. So from a kin stretch uh, point of view, I would want to strengthen that area at the end of my end range. So then um, when it comes to movement, anything athletic, I have full control in my end range. So this is a passive range lift off where I'm trying to lift. And like, even though I'm coming off it like an inch or two, I'm still working my end range. If I wanted to be very specific, I'd put something underneath that guy to make it even more challenging. And look at my face. <laughs> so now that we kind of have this idea of like indirectly getting, um, our hip moving a little bit better. Um, I would also look at improving not only hip internal rotation and maybe hip extension, whatever it is, but a lot of times the people who get um, called um, preformis syndrome, if you do a thorough assessment, a lot of stuff doesn't move that well in particular thoracic spine. So why am I moving up to here? So the people who usually get preformed syndrome are the people who are inactive and sit at a desk. This guy is supposed to be super mobile. It's supposed to rotate left to right, it's supposed to laterally flex, it's supposed to extend and flex. But most of people's thoracic spines just stay here. They can't extend, they can't rotate, and they can't really laterally flex. So what happens? The lumbar spine has to take over. The lumbar spine is designed to be stable. And then it's trying to also compensate for those people's um, hips that don't move, especially now that there's pain involved. So to indirectly focus on the hip, I'm gonna get this moving better. So then the low back doesn't have to work to be a mobile mover to take off stress off the hips. So it becomes like a chain. And a lot of people tend to just like break up all the stuff or practitioners will attack the owie area first and not really pay attention to all the other stuff that will be involved. So sometimes it's just like, well, I should get this moving better. So then the hips don't have to uh, well, the low back doesn't have to compensate for the hips. So that being said, how I kind of look at the body is like, if I can get this moving better and my hips moving better, it kind of spills out into all my limbs, like my arms and my legs when it comes to any kind of athletic movement. So we're going to look at some T-spine mobility. And we're going to pick a couple things that I really like. So when it comes to T-spine, one, I love teaching thoracic cars, which is one great way to move. And this is so funny. It's one of my tutorials that I totally forgot to edit and I like screw up the whole um, name. But anyway, um, 
this variation I really, really like because um, I try to block out every um, possible scenario of you cheating. So in a tall kneel position, it's very difficult to get lumbar spine involved. So here I'm cutting the lever in half and I'm also squeezing my glutes to lock out. I'm also grabbing this block to squeeze as hard as possible to create some tension. And from here, I'm gonna do my T-spine cars. So in that position, we're gonna take the spine through all of the ranges that it's designed to do. And this is probably one of, actually this is not T-spine cars at all. This is uh, T-spine rotations. One sec, I thought I was, uh... oh, this is better. We don't have to watch a, a whole uh, tutorial. So same position is exactly the same thing, uh, just not a full tutorial. So we're going into flexion. People are pretty good at this, but you'd be surprised how much this exercise really messes up people. And it's funny because it's like for flexion, you would think pe because people stay here so much, it'd be easy. But a lot of times when people try to flex at this position, their hips go back and they end up doing like a whole body movement. And the idea of just separating this from the rest of the body is so foreign. They have no idea how to move. So from that position, you're going to rotate because again, our spine can rotate. And then from here, you laterally flex into extension. And from there, you go into extension over to the other side and you mimic that same lateral flex into flexion and back. And then if you do this right, you're gonna start hearing, hearing a lot of pops and cracks that your spine definitely needs. So doing this every single day, not only improves quality of movement, but also improves the proprioception and also improves your thoracic mobility. But a lot of people have no idea how to move this way. So I have to actually physically like bear hug them and take them to flexion, um, rotation into extension over to the other side. And I'm basically doing it for them to kind of teach their brain and muscles to kind of connect um, a little bit better. But um yeah, it, it's so surprising to me how much people have no idea how to move their thoracic spine. Now, there's other things that you can do for the spine. Um, again, if you go into my YouTube channel and just type in, you know, T-spine in the search, you're going to find so many exercises like as I'm like just moving through. And I've also done another episode on um, the thoracic spine and how it works and things like that. Um, maybe I'm going to stop the screen share too. So we can just chat. Um, you're going to find a lot of resources. So to kind of give a summary, if someone came to me with preformis syndrome, one, I'm also going to ask about their history, like, what else has happened to them? Because that sometimes plays a huge role on how I'm going to approach it. But um, one, I check hip mobility and a lot of it is they don't have it. So there's compensation patterns. Um, two, indirectly influence hip mobility without pissing off the sciatic nerve. 
aka hip internal rotation. That's usually a safe bet. Um, from there, I would also try to influence the quality of how thoracic spine moves to ease up the tension on low back and then low back stuff would ease up the tension on the hip. Um, a lot of times it's like indirect and like we haven't even went on like how's a person's knee mobility? How's a person's ankle mobility? A lot of times too is like when people have poor ankle dorsiflexion, so thinking of like driving your toes towards your face, that's a lot of tension on the calf and oh, the sciatic nerve goes down that path. So sometimes it's like, well, why don't we also work a lot of ankle mobility to ease up tension? All right. Cause like a lot of times when people have nerve stuff, people will get treatment where, you know, they'll get cupping therapy and that literally just gives space for the nerve to calm down. So you can give space to your nerves to calm down by providing less tension and same idea kind of like with um, hip internal rotation, you can do pails and rails for your ankle um, to ease off the tension of the calf. But that's a whole nother episode I can probably get into and we're kind of running out of time, but um, I'm going to leave it there. I think I kind of just scratched the surface on this one and I could probably do another episode on sciatica itself. But if you have any questions um, about sciatica or an injury you're dealing with, like feel free to reach out, but I'm going to tell you right now, the people who reach out to me, Oh, something's that's interesting. No, oh, we're back. So strange. Um, so yeah, if you have anything going on, and you reach out to me with like a question where um, you're like, what should I do? The best thing you can do is like literally just do an online assessment with me so I can actually get a look at you because people just assume that they're like, hey, my shoulder hurts. What should I do? I have an answer, but it's like, I don't know anything about you. I don't know how your shoulder moves. So how can I give you any advice? So if you've been following my work forever, and you want to finally get out of pain, start moving and grooving and killing it in the gym. Don't waste your time, my time. Just message me like, hey, I've had enough of the shoulder, knee, hip thing. Let's book an assessment and let's just hammer this out. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Add me on Facebook. Add me on Instagram. And that's it for today's episode.